Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada. On this gorgeous Thursday, February 1st, 2024, time's just moving along. The affairs of time are moving along. There's nothing more important than where you go when you die. We're in Acts chapter 8 today. We'll be talking about that. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. And please first consider your part in the many-member body of Christ. The Companion Chapel is a registered non-profit ministry. All provisions provided go to God's purposes. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. Go to CompanionChapel.com and whatever you can help out with just to keep the lights on and help promote these podcasts. Help get the message of Christ's love out to a hurting world. And for a $10 bill, I'll send you one of these. These things are really cool. It's a necklace. Don't wear it as a necklace because I got them from China. You put them around the mirror of your car or you put them with your favorite things. Look at that. The most powerful symbol in the universe, the cross for Jesus Christ. Give it up for us. Give it up for Lord Jesus Christ. Support his word. Now let's go into Acts chapter. Are we on 8? Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And Saul, that's Paul, the author, not the author, the guy that wrote it down, it's divine revelation, not man's imagination. It's just to use his Aramaic name and then his Greek name. They should just call him Paul straight up. But anyways, this is Paul that we know uh, being called Saul here, was consenting unto his death. That means he was into it. He was down with it, man. He stood there and held their clothes and everything for Stephen, uh, who just got murdered. And... And the church murdered him. The church is killing the truth. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stuck it out because they remained there to be at the center of affairs of, like, to know, okay, this is where we are. If you guys have to come back to Jerusalem so we can teach the truth, we are the ones that kicked it with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are the 12 that were picked by the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, that walked on, walked amongst us. And the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled with us as it's written in the manuscripts. He's our covering. He's our veil. The veil of Christ, the hedge of God, saturated by the Holy Spirit. They have the truth. They stayed there, the 12 apostles. And they stuck it out because when people were confused about things, at least they knew where they were. It's not like they could drop the dime or got a cell phone or could write emails. They had to know where they were. So they, they stuck it out there uh, under great persecution. How many of us would do that? I don't know. And they were scattered abroad and they were teaching the Bible. The apostles stuck it out there. And devout man carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. What a tragedy. Murder is such a tragedy. And what was this guy doing? Teaching the truth. He said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised of the heart and the ears. You resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did. Same with John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil. Go back to Genesis 3.15. I'll put enmity between your seed, Satan, and the seed of the woman. And that runs a thread through the Bible like a clothesline. Right up to Revelation 2.9, Revelation 3.9, the synagogue of Satan. Oh, it looks like a churchy church. It looks so religious, but it's the synagogue of Satan. Do not be deceived, is what's being said throughout the Bible over and over. They made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Yeah, that was his job. And everybody that's, you know, I, I, I just cringe when I hear pastors that I really like too. And there's not many of them. Making a big deal about Gamiel. Gamiel taught Paul how to hate. Gamiel taught Paul 
up to the book of Malachi. There's no doubt about it. But then he taught him ceremonies. He taught him religious you know, ceremonies, which are called rudiments in the Bible. And he taught him how to persecute anybody else that doesn't think or act like they do to the point of death. And so Saul made havoc, taught by Gamiel. Okay, that guy that we just learned about is... Anyways, we'll talk more about Gamiel. Was Saul's teacher, okay, before Jesus Christ stepped in. Devout man carried Stephen to his... And entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Yeah, he, hey, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Uh, come here. You know, what's this Nazi Germany going on? That's what was happening back then. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart, from human ideologies outside of the word of God. Okay, so you just drag them off and throw them into jail. And you know what? Jail back then was probably way worse than jail now. I can tell you that much. Uh, therefore, they were all scattered abroad. And, and when they were scattered abroad, what did they do? Preach the word of God. Did they hide like cowards? They preached the word of God. This book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto him. Because that is our great commission, to spread the seeds of truth throughout the world, even today. That is our great commission. Spread the message of Christ's love. And the people, with one accord, gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hey, they didn't stand there and argue. They asked questions about the Bible. They didn't question it and start pointing fingers and mocking and belittling. And, and, and listen, I got some catchphrases from my friends over there. Today it's mainstream media. I got these catchphrases that I use against people like Michael. Michael, your religion is a crutch. Jesus Christ is just a crutch for you. What happened to you? You know, just these people are just, just so weak, intellectually weak, easily herded. They became all the obedient pincushions. They can't think critically. They can't think independently. They need mainstream media to think for them because their argument never holds up to closer scrutiny. They need all these catchphrases and they never search out the truth because the truth means nothing to them. They would rather run their mouths because their mouths it's the thing that ego needs. The ego is so huge, they can never be corrected. What did these people do? One accord gave heed unto things. Philip spake, hearing and seeing, listening and watching. And this is miracles, is signs that he performed, which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and were taken with palsies and were lame and were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. God executes performances far beyond our current understanding of physics. And we know by Revelation chapter 10 in that great thread through the Bible, how God creates, how God can create life, how he can fix life. The physical world is secondary to the spiritual world that we're trying to get back to, that field of energy, spirit, the intellect of your soul, that closed energy system that goes somewhere when you die. But they were doing this to establish the church. This is God, the creator of all things, all-powerful. There's nothing that God can't do. The creator of all things. And there was great joy. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city, used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Oh yeah, he's this guy is a phenomenal, right? Remember, these people that go around and think that they're phenomenal and actually what they are is nothing but a phenomenon. This guy is an object of his own perception. He's a sorcerer. 
and to whom they all gave heed from this latest to the greatest saying. This man has the great power of God. This guy has the God complex. It's like doctors and, and farming scientists today. They have the God complex. Let's go over this word sorcery. Now what's interesting is the word sorcery in your Bible in the New Testament is almost always pharmacia. But here Luke... He, he wants to get deeper than that word pharmacia. He wants to go into the word sorcery. So he uses a different word. He uses magio. So the noun is magos. It's used to describe teachers, priests, physicians, pharmacists, and seers and soothsayers. People that think they can foresee the future. That's like today's analyst, commentators, experts in the field. Telling us things. This is how it has to go down. Try... They can't convince you. They will just confuse you through obsessive messaging. So here's the word sorcerers is translated different. It, it, it's more encompassing of what this guy is, right? He's a great talker. He's going to lure you in. And what's he going to do? Well, the Bible tells us. In the Greek, the word sorceries is usually translated pharmac pharmacy, pharmacos, a construct that prepares and administers poison. Right down to Revelation 21.8, the last page of your Bible. There's no pharmacies in the kingdom of heaven. And what they're doing to us now is crimes against humanity. But we're not going to get into that uh, at this particular time. What people have to think is there's... They have to confront the disconnect of what they think is true and what is actually true and be careful about brainwashing, meant to side mind control, that whole thought control, thought reform to reduce your ability to think critically or independently and stop following the flow of, I'll just say it, just useless people that can't think for themselves and that are constantly mocking and scoffing, shaming and vil vil villainizing and insults who's the conspiracy theorist now when it comes to these sorcerers what does bewitch mean this word bewitched is histami but it's ek histami it has a preposition there it means to take something away from you histami biblical usage is to be able to take a stand be established what a great word that uh luke used ek histami it means bewitched means to disempower the patient, to destabilize. You're not stable. You need pills. You, you don't trust me. That's, that's what a pharmacist or a, a psychiatrist said to me once. And that was the greatest thing. 20 years, man. Them pumping pills into me. 20 years, I'm lucky to be alive. I trusted them. I was brought up to trust. Okay, this guy, man, he went to school for like 9, 10 years. And one day, you know, says, don't you trust me? And I was thinking, okay, I started doing a study on the Statistic and Diagnostical Manual of Psychiatry. None of those, none, except for a couple like Alzheimer's and Huntington's, have any biological markers. They made up 400 mental illnesses, which they tagged me with. And it totally disempowered me. And that's what this guy Simon's doing. Totally disempowers people. Like your doctor does. Tell you, you have a chemical imbalance, Michael. That's what they told me when I was a teenager. Oh, do I? Okay, there's my excuse now. There's my, oh, you better give me some pills now. Oh, yeah, cereal bowls of pills at night. Yeah, totally, totally. Just poisoned me. Just absolute crimes against humanity. And now what they've done, what they've done, it's just, they've altered the genetic expression in humans. And there is an absolute evil underlying frequency to rolling up your sleeve to these career criminals and getting that job. Imagine 
your genetic your 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 um genetic expression has now been altered you can get that changed back but the reason I don't go sit down sit with sit with anybody that I know and talk about it is because all they did was villainize me when we were trying to tell them hey man watch out they have a plan plot purpose and they're trying to get us these sorcerers just like this guy here this man has great power of God that's what people think God doesn't know what he's doing somebody one of the person uh, a person I, I probably love more than anyone on planet earth said that to me not too long God doesn't know what he's doing he says, you better go get that jab. And, you know, it just made me so sad. Made me so sad. No, if you don't trust God, then you can't be trusted. That's why we're here. We fell out of harmony with the universe because we couldn't be trusted. And for us to gain God's trust back, it takes to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ with the unquestioning obedience. Surrender your entire existence over to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is irrational for human beings to think that we know more than God. That's just beyond all reasonable. Look at the mess we've made of planet Earth. And it's the saddest thing. Pray for everybody. Always pray for everybody. No sitting there pointing fingers. When you're sitting around with people and you just happen to be educated in something and they happen to be wrong, it's not about, oh, I told you so. That's forbidden in the Bible. About gloating, pointing fingers. It's saying we have to come together now as a human family. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody has made more mistakes than this white trash guy right here, me. Little Mikey with the rotten teeth. That's right. No one's made more mistakes in life than me. Jesus Christ forgave me. I repented. I meant it. Look what he allowed me. He allowed me to understand this. But I do, the, the, my biggest thing is to try and pray and pray. How? With the understanding you've allowed me of this from the manuscripts to the lexicons, can I reiterate it to others? I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. But I don't go around pointing fingers at others. That's forbidden on all matters at all levels. But they still are coming at me. And I don't care. Because there's a place for you guys that are always right, that can never be corrected. It's called the lake of fire. See that internal passion of your mind, how angry you get when you find out that you've been wrong about something? You can take that to hell. That's the fire of hell. Isaiah chapter 9, James chapter 3 tells us what the fire of hell is. Don't listen to mainstream Christianity that tells you fire of hell is God's having a barbecue like he's a Hitler. God loves you and it hurts him. Isaiah chapter 22. Don't look at me. He's crying. I got to send people to hell. Isaiah chapter 5. He says, what more could I do for you? What more could I do? My heart, my hands are all stretched, Joe. I still love the world. I gave my only begotten son. I set it up so that he was going to walk into a torture chamber because someone innocent had to die to forgive us for our sins or we would be screwed for life for an eternity. God still loved the world. Let's get through this. But they believe Philip, okay, he was a longtime sorcerer, and be careful of these people. They're all over the place, man. They just they just stand for nothing and fall for everything, but they got a lot of money behind them, a lot of force. What did they sow? They sowed the seeds of hatred and phobias and aggressive imperialistic nationalism throughout. They destroy traditional family values that make humans human. It's a, it's a system of pillage and corruption. Let's just get on with this here. Then Simon himself believed also. Good. There you go. And when, and when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. That good. That's a sign of obedience. That's what you do. Go get yourself baptized. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Okay, so... 
uh, signs and miracles. It's something different. Miracles here is dunamis, like the powerful signs that he's doing is what's being said here. Okay, so Simon is starting to turn. It is a process, okay? When, who, when they were come forth, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, I don't know who put the word he here, some drunk translator, it doesn't belong. The Holy Spirit hadn't fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So, so far, they're only being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They haven't got the Holy Spirit to saturate into them yet. But it's happening. And this is the thing. This is how Jesus Christ's ministry had to be cemented in, the foundation of it, so it could spread throughout the world. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to fall for this now. It doesn't say this is a commandment. This is how you get the Holy Spirit. If I come into your church, don't put your hands on me, because I don't know you. And there's a good chance I don't like you. But I'm just telling you, when I went into a church a few last times, uh, yeah, the putting the hands on, who are these people? And then the first, and then the last time it happened, the first thing the altar, the guy said right at the altar, three elders. Oh, I just hate that. I just hate it. Okay, this pastor, he's only in his early twenties, puts, does the oil thing, right? They start saying the prayers. First thing the elders said, Michael, do you have any money? It's like go blank yourself, man. I am out of here. You guys are phonies. Don't ever touch. You don't have to go for this. Is what I'm saying. But if you like it, okay, that's fine. If you got, I was one, like if you're a touchy feely person, well, I'm not, right? If you want to pray, we'll pray. You want to, you want to study the Bible, we'll study the Bible. Don't, don't touch me. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered the money. Okay, so he sees, he's understanding that this is a one-time thing from the apostles, and, and and Apostle Paul also was allowed to do this. And then, it, and then it ended. You get the Holy Spirit now by surrendering your entire existence over to the Lord Jesus Christ and repenting. And understand when you repent, you mean it. That's a change of heart towards the sin itself. And that only Jesus Christ can forgive you because only he was innocent, not guilty. He took the lowest earthly position for you and because of you, for me, because of me. Because God wants his children back and they can only be reconciled to the Lord Jesus Christ. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can say this. Satan, you got nothing on me. I walked right into your torture chamber, Satan. You hyper-focused temptation and sin on me, Satan. And you got nothing on me. You even had me nailed to a board, to a cross. I still didn't give in to you, Satan. I am the only one. Jesus Christ is the only one. Perfect in righteousness. Perfect in trustworthiness. The only begotten Son of God. Shut up. Now, that, that, um, totally lost my roll because of that uh, rooster over there. Anyways, they laid their hands on him. When Simon saw through the lane of the apostle, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. Thy money perish with me, because thou hast sought the gift of God may be purchased with money. You can't purchase it. You can't purchase salvation. You can't purchase inner peace, happiness, contentment. You can't purchase manners, morals, respect, character. You can't purchase common sense, trust, patience, class, integrity. You can't purchase love. You can't purchase self-worth. Oh, you can buy pleasure and you can buy recognition. But do people respect you? Oh, when the money runs out, no one cares. No one cares. The emptiness of the material world. 
just the emptiness of the material it's going around well these preachers nowadays these super preachers oh they think they can purchase it they think they put their hands on people and they charge money that's what happened this is a great thing they're sorcerers of the time they're sort they, they think they have the holy spirit in them they have nothing in them they're empty vessels 21 thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. This word matter in the manuscripts is logos. It means in speaking and in thinking. Thoughts, intents, actions. You have no part in this. Repent therefore of thy wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. You better change your thought patterns there, Simon. And I believe so he did. I think he did. I got to give it up for this guy. For I perceived thou art in gall and bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Well, that drives us right to the third trump, doesn't it? Let's talk about the bond of iniquity. And we'll talk about the third trump itself. Okay, we know. We know that. The seals, chumps, and vials have materialized and harmonized and culminated into the fifth as we watch the sixth right now intensify and escalate. God's going to wrap up the affairs of time through the Lord Jesus Christ himself sooner than later. There's no doubt about it. So all God's prophecies occur and develop in partial and preliminary happenings before they become fulfilled and permanent. All these things were for examples for us in these end times. Now as we watch this third trump here, and remember, they all, they all run concurrent, seals, trumps, files, so... Okay, we're talking about um, a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, fell upon the third part of the rivers, upon the fountains, upon the waters. The flow of human activity, waters is people's tongues, nations, multitudes. Remember, use your Bible as your glossary, Revelation 17, 15. Okay, so we're talking about the fountain of activity of humanity here. When, we, when that applies to the Lord Jesus Christ, God is saying, God speaking to us in, in Psalms 36, 9. God speaking to us. For with thee is the fountain of life. Not the fountain of money and ideologies behind money and greed and gluttony. So what happens here in the third trump? The name of the star is called Wormwood. That's bitter gall. In the third part of the waters, it's people's tongues, tongues nations, multitudes became wormwood, just became bitter with gal because they're constantly chasing a buck and it will just lead people with bitter disillusionment. They get intoxicated by money. And let's talk, let's talk about something else. We just may as well hit this too. I remember when I was teaching the book of Daniel not too long ago and it was the same thing if we're going to talk about, going to talk about bitter and gall and, uh, and, um, bitter disillusionment and being stuck in that prison of greed, gluttony, the attitudes of obscene entitlement, fueled by ruthless, unadulterated greed. What did people worship? What did this guy Simon have faith in that Peter was warning about? People worship greed and plunder. Now, greed and plunder has become normalized. Individualism, personal wealth has become a way of life for groups of money-handling men, money-handling businessmen. Their clients, these snakes and suits, their shareholders and stakeholders together in society. They have created and funded a legal system that authorizes it and a moral code that glorifies it. I grew up in that moral code. Look at these people are better than these people over there because of what's in their driveway, because of the size of their house. They are much better. So if you're going to make it, Michael, you have to be like one of these. I rejected that construct and it, it, it was just brutal. Just brutal. It's almost child abuse to teach your children that. Now here we go. So there we go. 
this is what he was in the bond of iniquity. What is the bond of iniquity also? Go back to Revelation or Genesis chapter. I forget what is the curse of on Cain. You are... The, what will rule over you? Your longings and wantings. Just greed and gluttony. Just attitudes of obscene entitlement fueled by ruthless, unadulterated greed. God's not judging what happens to you. He's not judging you by your personal gain. He's judging what you do. Who God gives much to, he expects much in return. And, okay, let's just see if we can fly through. I thought I could do this in 10 minutes. But Then answered Simon said, Pray, pray for me that all, none of this comes upon me. Simon worked it out. Good guy. Okay, I hope so. And they that were and they that had testified and preached the word of the Lord returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages and some of the Samaritans. Yeah, spread the seeds of truth. Okay, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip and said, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from the Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is in the desert. Okay, so, hey, he obeyed. He heard the Holy Spirit speak to him, and he obeyed. The angel of the Lord. Okay, the angel of the Lord spoke to him. So, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. Imagine this dude. Under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who had charge of all her treasure. This guy was somebody, man. A big shot. Who had come to Jerusalem to worship. He heard about God. He wanted to know about God. Did he hear about Jesus Christ? Well, we're going to find out. This eunuch. Okay, what's that mean? He's free from the prison of sensual lust. Okay, he came to worship God. Not what, what we just talked about. Rich white man's construct. Okay, he could have had anything he wanted. He had the treasury of Candace. Candace is a title, by the way, but it's a pretty name, if that was a real name, Queen of Ethiopia. He was in charge. He comes up in his chariot. That's a long haul. Look on the map from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem to worship God. Was returning and sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. That's a big deal. He had a copy of the Bible. There was no printing presses back then. There was nothing. He had it. He wanted it. That was his pursuit, to get a copy of this. Yeah, not the New Testament written yet, but he had it. This is why he was reading Then this, and was, and was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah the prophet. Think about this guy. Like this would have been, he would not have been alone. Obviously, and I doubt that um, Philip was alone either because there's a rule you go out in pairs But whoever's with Philip, it's just not mentioned. It doesn't matter. Don't get all hung up on it But this guy this would have been a great powerful person. This wouldn't have been like some donkey cart man. This thing would have been Something hey, I represent Candace I represent Candace the Queen of Ethiopia Okay, then thy spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet of Isaiah and said, Understand what you read? This guy had a Bible and was reading it. And so Philip said, Do you know what you do you understand it? It's one thing to read the Bible, but there's strict instructions about what you do once you get a hold of a Bible. And he said, How can I? This is what the eunuch said, honest guy. He didn't, wasn't full of self-pride. He wasn't full of mainstream media catchphrases. He wasn't trying to villainize the Bible and discredit the Bible. He says, how can I? Except some man should guide me. That's the rules in the Bible. And he desired Philip that he should come down upon and sit with him. We are to seek a remnant of truth over and over in the Bible. We are to be taught. The Bible was taught to me to a point, And then I took it farther than my teacher. Much farther than my teacher. That's what God expects from us. 
What are you doing with your time anyway? And there's nothing more important than where you go when you die. I got a really good friend right now sitting. He had stage zero cancer. A week later, he's at stage four fighting for his life. Is there anything more important than where you go when you die? Obviously not. Your spirit, your psyche, the intellect of your soul, that closed energy system. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. Go somewhere when you die. Closed energy system. So the place in the scripture he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter like a lamb done before his shearer. He opened not his mouth in his humiliation and judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And listen, and the eunuch answered Philip uh, and uh, said, I pray thee of whom speaketh this prophet? Is, is Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip said, open his mouth and, and began at the same scripture and preached. This is Jesus Christ, the author of eternal salvation. This is the man, the only begotten Son of God, first and foremost in importance, most precious in the universe. Our Savior, our salvation, our deliverer, our Redeemer, He paid a price for us. None of us could even come close to pain. This is who we're talking about. Let's go, okay, this word humiliation here is translated in Isaiah chapter 53, because that's what this is. Isaiah chapter 53, a prison. And this is just, so... They use the word humiliation here instead of prison like they do in Isaiah chapter 53. Well, it's the lowest estate. It's referring to the whole period of Jesus Christ's life on earth. He was trustworthy. Us, we're the one-third that got thrown, cast to the earth. Revelation 12, 4, a huge thread through the Bible that explains why we're here. We fell out of harmony with the universe. Not Jesus Christ. He took the lowest earthly position for us. In other words, this is a prison. This is a correction of facility. And if you don't want to be corrected, you can get a life sentence wherever you want. If you want to be corrected, you can have a life sentence to cohabitate with God in his circuits of time, as it's written in Psalms chapter 90, one of the best, most comforting Psalms ever written. And we're going to go there right now. In his humiliation and judgment. And judgment here is crisis. There was no turning back. He wasn't going to turn him back. And who shall declare his generation? This is why we have to go to Isaiah chapter 53. Because it doesn't make any sense here. Unless you can uh, take it from the original language. Yeah, this computer is going to die. Which sucks. And I have no money. So if you want to help out, that's the greatest thing. Uh, this is a registered nonprofit ministry. Go to Isaiah chapter 53 where we're reading this. And Isaiah chapter 53 is the same. It's... It's the same as this, only it's a, this is how it was really originally written. Isaiah chapter 53, and there's a key here. This is why I want to go here. Okay, he was brought to the lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened his not his mouth. He was fulfilling prophecy, the most selfless act of love and compassion that the universe has ever witnessed. And it was written. He knew it was going to happen. He was taken from prison and from judgment. This means executed in the most brutal manner you know he was by by constraint and by sentence he was taken away who shall declare his generation there's your key there the word generation let's 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 um go to psalms chapter 90 so we understand this word generation there's two words in the old testament primarily used for generation toledith in the hebrew that means like the next generation of people generation x generation y perpetual posterity of parentage or oh, there's generation dior this is the word dior i don't know why the translators 
Who cares? Okay, I go back into the manuscripts. The English argument is pointless. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. That's Dior. This is, means to cohabitate in former periods or circuits of time and future circuits of time for whomsoever will. We were there with our Father who art in heaven. Sacred is thy name. Yahweh is thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven through Yeshua Messiah, but we were there before. Thou has been our dwelling place in all generations. Which means in all his circuits of time. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever hast formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. We were there before God even created the physical world, this planet here. And think about the physical world. You think about the earth, a self-sustaining planet. Created in spectacular order and beauty, a crown jewel of our solar system. You ain't seen nothing yet. When these flesh eyes get snuffed and we get our spiritual eyes opened, you ain't seen nothing yet. The architect, engineering, he is the counselor of the universe, the structural fabric of the universe, a, a system of energy, organized system of energy that we go back to. But what happened here? Verse 3 of Psalms 90, Thou turnest man to destruction and say, Return ye, ye children of man. That's us. That's me. That's you. Revelation 12.4 God set the stage for this flesh age. Genesis chapter 1, 14 to verse 18. And return thou, O ye children, through my Savior. There is no other Savior except the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our way back. That's what he's telling this guy here in uh, the eunuch here in the book of Acts. So I hope that was okay. I hope that's very clear. Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture. He preached unto him Jesus Christ, the author of eternal salvation. And then, as they were on their way, they came in a certain water. They came up to a pond or a stream or something. The eunuch said, uh, here's some water. What's your hold up? Baptize me, he says. And Philip said, here's the conditions, Philip said, okay? If thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he got baptized. There you have it. Isn't that just the greatest thing? And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went away rejoicing. Okay, like a lot of people read into that, like some supernatural thing happened. If you want to let your mind wander like that, go for it. Philip went for a walk. He made tracks, okay? And he was founded as... God, to, as some city called, I can't pronounce it, passing through, he preached all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And there you have it. There's Acts chapter 8. I hope you're enjoying this. What a great book. There's so much written here than you'll ever hear in the mainstream churchy churches. I want to thank you very much for watching. We pray for everybody. As much as I dog people, I pray for the whole human family. God wants his children back. He wants this whole human family back, if it were possible, shouting out, singing for joy. The whole human family in totality shouting out, singing for joy and infinite felicity like we used to when we used to cohabitate with God in the circuits of time before we became untrustworthy. We have everything to prove to God. God has nothing to prove to us. And he don't need you. We need God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you very much for watching. Have yourself the greatest day. And bye for now.